Welcome to the AWS Tech Chat, your hosts, Ollie and Dr. Pete. We're solution architects based in APAC, and we help customers adopt the AWS Cloud Platform. In each episode, we talk about the latest and most interesting technical developments in the world of AWS Cloud. We bring you the AWS Roundup and deep tech dives into topics of interest. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Tech Chat. It's Dr. Pete here, and with me in this episode, I have Olivia Klein. Olivia, hey. hi, how you doing? Hey, Dr. Pete, how's it going? Very well. Welcome to Tech Chat. And uh, we've been friends for almost four years in this organization, and it's really great to have you on the show now. I'm very excited myself, too. So, Ollie, do you want to give the uh, listeners a bit of a background as to who you are, where you live, and what you do? Because uh, as a solution architect, um, you know, we've spent a lot of time together doing some tech stuff, but tell our listeners. Certainly, certainly. So I actually have the chance to work as a solutions architect around what we call emerging technologies. So I get to work with all the new cool tech stuff, uh, look into artificial intelligence and see how we can use machine learning models and play around with some really cool serverless stuff and you know do some great big data analytics and all these kind of interesting new things, augmented and virtual reality. Um, so I think I actually really like this job. It's awesome. And a lot of fun. I'm actually... It is, it is. And I'm based here in um, in the beautiful city of Hong Kong. And uh, very exciting here in Hong Kong because I had the chance uh, two weeks ago to actually pre-announce our Hong Kong, AWS Hong Kong region that we're going to build out or launch in 2018. Which is very cool. So you've also had the opportunity to uh, to get about the APAC region quite a bit. Um, and one of your claims to fame is that you've done pretty much most, if not all, the summits in the APAC. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been quite a quite a travel, but I love it. You know, the, all those different summits, see the different things that we're doing in all those different cities. I've been down in Sydney. I've been in Singapore and Kuala Lumpur, Manila. I've traveled over to Bangalore and New Delhi and India and, and over to Bangkok and Taipei and then uh back to Hong Kong again here for the AWS Summit. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend, she keeps joking about it. She says, you're not, you're not living in Hong Kong. You're living in an airplane. At 33,000 feet above the, above the planet. Right. <laughs> so do you get a chance to call her much or, you know, get to connect with her? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously great these days. It's easy to connect pretty much everywhere, even in an airplane these days. you got this Wi-Fi thing going. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to call home as often as I can, of course, and, uh, you know, or when I need to change my seat, I need to call into those call centers of my airline operator. You know those call centers? I know them very well. In fact, we all know them very well, and hopefully you all know about Amazon Connect, which is now available in the Asia-Pacific Sydney region. Um, And Amazon Connect is a self-service cloud-based contact center uh, that makes it really easy for you and your business to deliver uh, great telephony customer experiences. Uh, And, uh, you know, these are available to scale to you know thousands of customers and users uh, and agents you can very quickly design your call center in the cloud within a few minutes in fact Ali. and uh, one of the coolest things that i like about it is that you can design the call flows manage the agents um, track your performance indicators uh, with very little to no specialized skills in the call center business because in the past putting together a call center was uh, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, many, many, many man hours of uh, super uh, nerdy, geeky experts coming together to actually build one of these these things for you. So uh, that's super cool. So Oli, what are some of the benefits of uh, Amazon Connect given that you use it? 
Well, yeah, you know, it's like most of the, the AWS services really easy to set up and manage. I mean, you mentioned that already, but it's it's usual thing. You go into the AWS management console, you make a few clicks and you know, within when a, within a few minutes, you have your first agents that can start talking uh, on your call center, right? And the one thing that I always think is important is to make it easy also to create these kind of contact flows and interactions that you have with your customers. So mm -hmm. uh, with Amazon Connect, you actually have the contact flow editor, and that one allows you to basically drag and drop things together, create those customer interactions. And, you know, of course, with like with any other AWS service, we always design them to be scalable and elastic. Like you mentioned, no infrastructure to manage, deploy, or set up that, that contact center, and it easily scales up to potentially thousands of agents that respond to your business cycles. And here's the really interesting thing. Um, mm -hmm. If we look at some of the traditional way maybe of running call centers, very often the way we design pricing is, is kind of around that capacity that we plan out or the agencies or the maintenance that we have. And um, with Amazon Connect, we now only get charged for the number of minutes that we're engaging with our end customers. So no kind of monthly fees or no upfront charges or agencies or any of that stuff. While at the same time, of course, always remaining reliable. What do I mean with that? You know, um, you remember those availability zones that we have across the, the AWS region, those clusters of data centers um, that have independent kind of power grids and network connectivities. Um, Amazon Connect, again, leverages like a lot of the fully managed services at AWS uses multiple of those availability zones to make sure that your call center remains online. Um, and, you know, lastly, one thing that always gets me excited as a developer is AWS is an open platform and so is Amazon Indeed. Connect, right? You can easily, everything is a web service, everything is an API. You can now integrate your, your call center with your CRM or with some of your other AWS platforms, uh, applications that you're building or run an AWS Lambda function against it. Then, you know, of course, all of the uh, call recordings that you have, for example, can be stored in Amazon S3. So you can control uh, securely the, the access and lifecycle of that data and then also use it for quality and training purposes. Absolutely. And the other cool thing is you can apply KMS on top of that and have those fully encrypted to make sure that those private conversations completely remain private. And you know what I'm also super excited about, Oli? Tell me. It's that it's part of the free tier. Ah, now, that's yeah. a very nice thing. So, you know, as most of you are aware, we have the free tier, which gives you access to um, many of our services uh, for free for, for the first 12 months. And this service is no different. We give you 90 minutes per month of um, Amazon Connect usage. We give you a uh, essentially a local direct inward dialing number for your particular mm -hmm. region. So you can have one in North America. And in fact, you can also have one in Sydney as well, which is fabulous, uh, which is where those two locations are, by the way, for AWS Amazon Connect. And now, the other cool thing is you get the 30 minutes of inbound and outbound calls as well, as well as if you want, you can have a toll-free number as well, if that wasn't enough. Ah, right, right. And, you know, the other thing that I'm always excited about, you know, if you if the listener actually wondered why my accent sounds so funny, um, I'm not originally from Hong Kong. I'm actually from a small little country called Luxembourg and lived in so many different countries and started speaking different languages. And, you know, it's funny in Luxembourg, people always look down upon you if you only speak four languages, which I do. So I'm the absolute basic there. 
crazy, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the you know the exciting thing about it is as much as I hated it as a kid going to school and be like, why do I need to learn all this French and German and all of that stuff? Nowadays, I have a true appreciation for languages because there's so much culture and value that comes with it. But it's also mm -hmm. interesting around the localizations that we do around our applications. So one thing, um, Amazon Connect, of course, is available in English, but it's also available in seven other languages. So we have Spanish and we have French, Brazilian, Portuguese, Korean, German, Chinese, and Japanese to really localize that experience for your call center agents and make them comfortable in their language of choice. And it's really simple to set up, Oli. You just click the button and select the, uh, the language of choice. And right. uh, very quickly, almost, well, instantaneously, in fact, uh, the console goes from English to the language of choice, which is fabulous. And if that wasn't enough, I'm also super excited about the introduction of real-time performance dashboards in Amazon Connect, which means that if you are a call center manager or someone who just wants to get visibility and telemetry into what's happening in your call center living in the cloud, you now can actually do that with the actual real-time dashboards so whether you're tracking the utilization of your uh, of your agents uh, looking at how much time they're spending how many calls are in a queue uh, and you want to identify any potential issues and quickly address them you now can do that because you can quickly get insights and visibility from what's happening in the cloud call center which is very very cool and if that wasn't enough um, I know you being a developer you love Lex tell us about Lex and what it can do for you inside Amazon Connect Absolutely. So one of the things I really like about some of the AWS services is, for example, our new Amazon AI service. And one of it is the Amazon Lex service, which allows us to create conversational interfaces for both written and spoken text. So we've heard about it before in the previous tech chats around how we can use Amazon Lex in the written format to create things like chatbots against like Facebook or Slack or things like that. Um, but what I want to talk about today is the ability to actually use it for spoken interactions, which means we built that natural language understanding now on top of Amazon Connect. So we can create bots that basically respond to some of those, you know, kind of repetitive tasks or some of these mundane activities that we might have in a call center where people often ask for the same kind of queries, we can now think around how we can actually automate that and use an artificial intelligence with the help of Amazon Lex to actually automate some of these requests. Now, Oli, that's also the same technology that actually powers Amazon Elixir, is it not? That is absolutely right. So if you ever used one of those Amazon Echo devices or Echo Dot devices that actually use our Alexa voice services, well, there's a reason Amazon is called Lex because it's what's in Alexa. So mm. what you get access to is really all that automated speech recognition that we build for all these Echo devices. You now get access to build your bots, but you can actually connect that to your call center now. And, you know, being an engineer, I'm always quite interested in what we did on the underlying hood to make that work even better. Because one of the interesting things when you think about a call center is most people call using normal telephone or, or telephone or mobile phone lines where very often the sampling rate is actually quite low. Very often it's kind of like this eight kilohertz kind of sampling rate, which is this kind of low fidelity audio. So it's not it's not like a proper like microphone that you record and you know, and then you can have the natural language understanding around it. But so what we did is we actually went ahead and trained Amazon Lex to support that low audio sampling rate so that we have a better speech recognition accuracy 
even on these kind of contact center calls that we're getting, right? And that nice. is, that's really cool because now you can automate some of these tasks. But you know, there's, there's one thing that is also interesting, of course, is as we start automating some of these things, right? Okay, change your password or request your account balance or schedule an appointment. Lex can help with that. But sometimes, you know, we might not be able to fully fulfill it because we actually want to talk to a call center agent for something more specific. Now, the good thing is you can actually at any point in time take that conversation that you have with an Amazon Lex bot at that point in time and push it to a call center agent with the full context of what has already been fulfilled in the Lex intent. Meaning that you can use Amazon Lex to kind of pre-filter your calls using voice, not the usual uh, you know, type one or two or three for this, mm -hmm. but actually have people talk about it, fill in some of this information and pass it on to an agent. Effectively, you know, making his job a little bit easier and really allowing him to add value to the customer, which is to really um, have that interesting conversation with the customer and not just a mundane kind of question of what's going back and forth. That's very cool because, you know, all of a sudden, all that mundane stuff can be uploaded to the bot, you know, in this case. And uh, yeah, we really are helping, you know, customers to build, you know, the next generation of interactive voice response systems. Uh, and in this case, powered by Lex, which is awesome. Love it. AI. <laughs> AI in the phone now. Exactly. <laughs> so talking about, you know, the, uh, and when I think about these things, I think about, you know, being able to create enterprise, you know, 2.0, the next generation of organizations. And when you think about that, a lot of that also resides in giving users access to your infrastructure. And quite often that means a desktop. Yeah. I'm super excited to talk about the the next bundle um, that we've just released for Amazon Workspaces that introduces um, another way of giving you more power. So for those of you who are not familiar with Workspace, it's a fully managed um, uh, secure desktop as a service provided by AWS. It runs on EC2. Um, you remotely get access to it. It's a, it, you know, the bits that are sent across the wire are fully encrypted. It's basically a Microsoft Windows desktop for users, uh, giving you access to common applications like Microsoft Office or, in fact, any kinds of applications that you like to run uh, on your Windows desktop. Ollie, and uh, the cool thing about this is the um, uh, the new class of bundles, and we refer to bundles as the uh, the machine capacity, the number, the amount of memory, CPUs, uh, and disk that we actually give you, and uh, the uh, the power bundles actually give you a lot more capacity over and above uh, the existing um, bundles that are actually out there, which means you get more bang for your buck. So if you are going to build the next generation of business uh, in the cloud, not only can you build call centers, but you can also build and deploy your application software and your workstations in the cloud. And what's really nice about that is that you can also have the same directory uh, that powers the user authentication for your Amazon workspaces for your for your desktops. You can actually tie them back to Amazon Connect as well, so that one single user you've got can actually access both. That's pretty cool because I think, you know, if you think about it, very often you have like these kind of call center agents, they need to work on things beyond just what is in the web browser. Now give them access, oh, yeah. create one user. Awesome. And if you think about that extension of your enterprise, and we're talking about hybrid, you know, um, clouds now, you know, quite often customers in enterprises will spill over from their existing data center or from their existing enterprise data network into the AWS infrastructure. And this is a great use case for that with, um, you know, uh, workspaces and connect. 
uh, quite often they will set up a direct connect, which is a you know a very fast you know um, you know leased line from a telco that connects their on-premises into the AWS cloud, into the virtual private cloud configurations. And I'm proud to say that we've actually now also provided some CloudWatch metrics that give you right. monitoring of your direct connect connections. What that means is you can now essentially. Uh, set alerts and thresholds, both from the console or from the CLI, and you can find out what the connection state happens to be, whether the link is up or down, uh, what the you know egress and ingress bit rates are for your link. So you've got full visibility of its utilization, which is very cool. Um, you also get visibility of the number of packets that are actually flowing per second which is also very cool, as well as uh, visibility into any kind of errors. So if, you see, if we see CRC errors uh, on the packets that are being put through, we'll also track that. And for those of you who have essentially a 10 gig connection, um, we can also tell you uh, the the actual uh, health of the fiber connection that's actually connecting your infrastructure into ours. So overall, uh, we're building and giving you more and more visibility into that next generation of your IT enterprise, Oli. And yeah, Pete, that's awesome. I, I mean, I love how we can use CloudWatch to really monitor our environment and adding these kind of metrics for Direct Connect is really great. And, you know, talking about adding things to Direct Connect, we mm -hmm. actually also have two new locations in both Kuala Lumpur and in Seoul in South Korea. And and in Seoul, it's in the LGU Plus Pyeongchang Mega Center, where we launch a direct connect, and that allows you now to directly connect into our Seoul AWS region, and also in the Menara AIMS in Kuala Lumpur to directly connect into our Singapore region. Effectively, again, making it really easy for our customers in those cities to establish a dedicated network connection from their premise or their offices straight into AWS. That's really great. And that's really cool because that now covers you know the back end piece and gives you that you know, spill into the cloud scenario. But Oli, you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about WAF and that's going to the front end of the organization for all those web assets that you might actually have at the front of your organization that your customers interface with. Absolutely. I, I think it's so important to always look at security when we're building applications. And one of the things when we're building web applications is obviously the use of a web application firewall. And now there's one interesting thing because we actually released a new security white paper. So you know, we have all these white papers around AWS and specific topics and we released one new one that talks about how to use AWS WAF to mitigate some of the OWASP top 10 web application vulnerabilities. So if, you, if you're not familiar with OWASP, it's actually the Open Web Application Security Project, which is a worldwide not-for-profit charitable organization which is focused on improving the security of software to make that security you know visible so that individuals or organizations are able to make informed decisions and OWASP is actually providing impartial practical information about application security so what OWASP has is kind of these top 10 kind of vulnerabilities that you see across web applications and how to mitigate that. And now if you use the AWS web application firewall, WAF, you can actually write rules to match patterns and exploitation attempts in some of these, you know, incoming HTTP HTTPs requests and block them before they reach your web application. So effectively you protect your web application from some of those very common exploits that could affect your 
availability or maybe compromise your security or you know even consume really excessive resources, you can basically lock that down and block it at the edge location because WAF, or I should say AWS WAF, gives you actually control over the traffic and allow a block all of that incoming traffic based on customizable web security rules. And with that white paper in place and also CloudFormation template that we have attached to it now, we can easily now set up AWS WAF to create those rules to block some of those common attack patterns. Now, Pete, I heard you actually had a look at that white paper already. Way ahead of me. Yes, I did. I did. I actually had a read of it. It's uh, So if you've got uh, about an hour, it's about 35 pages in length, um, and it goes through each of the top 10. Uh, so actually, first of all, tells you what the attack vectors are uh, as per the mm-hmm. OWASP model, and then talks about how we can block it or stop it. And, you know, there's also been some updates uh, to those top 10 by OWASP. So things like um, uh, the broken access controls have been added that now replace the, some of the older ones. We've also got um, insufficient attack protection models and uh, underprotected API approaches. So all these are well documented in the actual white paper. And so things, Oli, like things like, you know, simple injection of right. in, into query strings, like, you know, stuff that you would put at the, at the, at the actual URL layer that, you know, you might just push straight into a database query. So those kind of yeah. injections are talked about. I've seen those before, Pete, you know, where you, you go to a website and suddenly on top of the URL bar, you have the entire SQL query as a select exactly. statement in there. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely want to avoid those. So, uh, and you also want to avoid people trying to mitigate, you know, create those for you uh, if they find a vulnerability. There's just things that are uh, things like after you've logged in and you had the JSON web tokens, uh, a lot of those um, can also be exploited by, you know, trying to reuse or hijack the claims that have actually been already assigned uh, to an authenticated user. There are things also around, you know, stopping users from once you've been authenticated, some, some apps also, Ollie, um, once you've been authenticated, give you full access to make modifications to the backend databases. So people can also try to poke or push in different user IDs in the URLs to, um, you know, get some activity or, you know, get some more visibility into something. So all this really good stuff is talked about in the white paper. So I highly recommend you guys grab it and check it out uh, and then have a look at the CloudFormation template, which actually also you can deploy and, uh, you know, either as a brand new deployment or uh, on your existing infrastructure. That's really great. And I love it when we use CloudFormation templates like that, right? Click of a button and load up all those OWASP top 10 vulnerability rules into AWS WAF with a click of a button. It's nice. And, and you know, the other thing is, I was actually looking, I actually looked at the template, by the way, just to confess. I had a look at the CloudFormation template and it's actually in YAML. Um, and uh, uh, I actually find it way more readable. I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> you know, Jason, you know, yeah. there's been jokes that I like reading Jason, but uh, you know, I may be a convert now to YAML. Yeah, I, I, I got to be with you on that one. You know, I used CloudFormation templates even in our serverless application model lately, and YAML is so much easier to read. I don't know. Jason is great, but I love YAML. I got to I gotta give that to you. Yeah, and look, and CloudFormation you know, has been around for quite a while. And in fact, we've also now announced that uh, AWS Config can track changes uh, when you actually deploy CloudFormation stacks in your environment. So the, the nice cool thing about that is um, we can now you know, collect and give you more telemetry and visibility into what happens when you've actually deployed a CloudFormation template or potentially made some updates uh, through your CloudFormation template, which also affects your environment. So as a part of the um, uh, AWS config, as it tracks and 
AWS Config essentially is, a, is this awesome service that enables you to, to, to assess, audit, and evaluate all of your configurations. Um, and you know, if you think back to the uh, slightly older days where you had a CMDB or mm-hmm. a configuration management database, so if you've lived in the ITIL world, uh, in the enterprise, for example, you're probably familiar with having a CMDB and having configuration items that represent all of the assets and infrastructure in your organization and the relationships. So think of the CMDB as now being on steroids uh, and that's really AWS Config uh, with a lot more intelligent smart. So what it does now is it also is completely aware of cloud formation changes uh, and it can also notify you via SNS notifications when changes occur. So uh, we've gone one step further to give even more visibility about what's been changed and by who and when. So uh, yeah, another great extension to that wonderful service. Yeah, and I, I love these kind of things of understanding what's going on in your environment and actually trying to understand that in real time. You know, we have oh, this, yeah? this great service called Amazon Kinesis with the Kinesis streams that allows you to send in lots of interesting data points, information, and actually process it in real time um, on that Kinesis stream. And what we now introduced is actually server-side encryption of your Amazon Kinesis streams, which nice. means you can now actually encrypt the data server-side in the stream itself using a key, which you obviously manage through the KMS, the key management service that we provide within AWS. So even with a new or an existing Kinesis stream, you can now go into the console, you select your KMS master key, and you enable server-side encryption. And within a few seconds, we actually encrypt all the incoming data that is written to the stream using the 256-bit AES, the advanced encryption standard to encrypt each of those records within its partition key. And then in the Kinesis Management Console, or let's say you use the SDK, you can get the encryption status of that stream, see and understand what's going on and make sure that everything is properly encrypted. And now, why do we actually encrypt things? Well, we want to make sure our environment is secure, our environment is compliant, and you can actually also audit the encryption history of the Amazon Kinesis stream using AWS CloudTrail. So you can always make sure that now your data is securely encrypted as it flows to the stream and that you keep it encrypted whenever you need to keep it encrypted. And speaking of data and having lots of it in a very highly available state, um, there's now been some work uh, that we've been working with uh, a partner, uh, which is we've got a a quick start out uh, on how to deploy Datastax Enterprise on AWS. So go and grab that and check it out. Uh, What it gives you is, again, great documentation, but also a cloud formation template that actually helps you to deploy your infrastructure in 30, slightly under 30 minutes or less. Um, basically the Datastax enterprise deployment. And what Datastax is all about uh, is basically it's based on top of uh, and powered by Apache Cassandra. Uh, and DSC has been designed to handle very big data workloads across multiple nodes with basically no single points of failure. And they do this by employing a peer-to-peer distributed system for data replication across homogeneous nodes. Um, and this basically integrates with DSC's um, indexing, search, analytics, and graph functions. Uh, And all of this is basically built on top of Cassandra with Apache, Solo, Spark, and uh, DSC's graph functionality on top of that. So you can take the cloud formation template, uh, deploy it into a virtual private cloud in your existing account, uh, or you can deploy it to a brand new VPC, 
and essentially get all the benefits of having your data highly available and replicating across multiple availability zones, but also if you want to across multiple regions. And we have a lot of conversations, Ollie, with customers about Mm -hmm. having your data replicating from place to place. Uh, And certainly this is one way of doing it at the application and data layer. Um, But in this case, you will be managing that infrastructure. And when you spin up the CloudFormation template, you know, we will spin up uh, a net gateway, a DSC op center node, which is the control node, if you like, uh, for the configuration management of your entire DSC environment. Um, but all of this stuff has been really brought down to the lowest common denominator in a template. So go grab a template, um, grab the quick start, and uh, go check it out. Love those! I love those quick starts. It's so easy. Like uh, if you if you look for something specific, you just click it together, and within a few minutes, uh, depending what you speed up, spin up, you, you just have something going. It's it's, it's really it's amazing. like a sports car, right? Yeah. It's like you hop behind a wheel, <laughs> you put the uh, put the key in the ignition, and put the foot you know uh, pedal to the metal, and off and off you're running. So uh, it's it's very very cool. So Ollie, speaking of cloud formation, and we we're talking a little bit about it just now. Um, what about um, its additional support for dashboards? Yeah. So earlier. You you were talking about CloudWatch, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of CloudWatch. It's one of those services a lot of people kind of initially don't have a look at, it, and then they have a look at it and say, oh, that's actually really amazing. I can lock all these things, and I can actually create dashboards. And we launched um, dashboards for CloudWatch actually a couple of years ago um, to kind of create dashboards and all the different CloudWatch metrics that you have in, in graphical form. And, you know, we added, kept adding additional features uh, to it based on some of the customer feedback that we got, like, you know, put it in full screen mode so I can put it on the screen or put it in a dark theme because I don't like the white one. Um, but also mm-hmm. in- interesting ways of, you know, making sure that you have persistent storage about some of your metrics and the dashboards that you're creating around it and create some of the new visualization options. And, you know, before I dive in in some of these additional functionalities that we launched about uh, API integration and CloudFormation support for the CloudWatch dashboard, uh, actually a few things to the dashboard, which are really cool. First and foremost, dashboards are actually part of your AWS account, but are not associated with a specific AWS region. It's actually a global dashboard. So you can use it to actually monitor multiple off your AWS region, give each dashboard a nice, unique name, pull it up, and then you have, you know, because it's a visualization, you have those grid models. So each dashboard that you compose in CloudWatch dashboards has 24 cells uh, that are across that you can drag out and you can then put widgets on your dashboards, position it in, you know, particular set of the, the grid coordinates that you have to really visualize things. And those widgets can be, you know, text that you specify using Markdown to really make that widget look good and display the values, the line charts or those stacked area charts that you want to have uh, nicely together. And you can actually put over 100 of those widgets into your dashboard. And you can then take that dashboard and get, um, you know, you're talking about YAML and how you don't like JSON. Well, dashboards actually have the ability to extract the dashboard in a JSON representation though. And that's where JSON is really good, right? Because now we can actually extract that entire dashboard, load it up or load it into another place into the console, understand or view and edit that source of the dashboard effectively in the JSON representation. And uh, previously, a lot of our customers have actually done that to play around with the dashboards or load them up into other accounts so much that they told us, hey, wouldn't it be great if we have a cloud formation support for those CloudWatch dashboards? Or wouldn't it be great to have API supports? to load up or create those dashboards mm. 
using those JSON representation other ways. And that's what we launched. So we launched uh, the ability to actually um, control your CloudWatch dashboards using API. So you have the usual uh, API calls, you know, put or create a get a dashboard or delete the dashboard or list your dashboards and, and have a look through it using the AWS SDK or uh, our command line tools, for example. But you now also have the ability to bring up an entire dashboard using a CloudFormation template. And that's really useful because now somebody can create a dashboard for you and can load it up into your account or, um, you know, in a large enterprise, some of the teams might actually create dashboards for you that you can load up into your account. And um, maybe a little pro tip here from our CloudWatch team. Um, it's really great to kind of create a CloudWatch dashboard using a CloudFormation template now, right? I can load it up in an account. Now, with CloudWatch dashboards, we allow you to actually change your dashboards around, right? Drag those widgets around and adjust it any way you want it. So one of the pro tips that our CloudWatch team is telling us is actually it's a good idea if we have a CloudFormation template where we load up a CloudWatch dashboard to actually put a little message somewhere and say, hey, this dashboard was automatically created using a CloudFormation template. Why? Well, we actually probably want to discourage our users to manually make out-of-band changes to our dashboards, right? So that's exactly. one of the pro tips that we had, right? But great stuff. We actually um, also have a great blog post around it, how to keep your CloudWatch dashboards up to date, even using AWS Lambda functions now. So go and check that out. Really great stuff on optimizing how we actually handle CloudWatch dashboards. Yeah, and I reckon it'd be a lot of fun if somebody actually builds a cloud, you know, a, a, a cloud version template uh, where you deploy your stack, but also spins up its own management visibility dashboards. How cool would that be if we actually had yeah. a practice where they shall not deploy that template unless you also deploy the management visibility of all the things that you <laughs> want to track? How much fun would that be? I love it, love it. Put it always up on that big screen somewhere in the operation room. <laughs> and pick your themes to go with it. So from CloudFormation, um, the other thing that I also wanted to call out was uh, uh, Amazon EC2 Systems Manager uh, now has the ability to export your inventory data to an Amazon S3 bucket, uh, which is really, really cool because previously you had to uh, create a custom script to send inventory data to an S3 bucket, but you had to do all the heavy lifting. Uh, now you can simply select the S3 bucket and have it automatically, uh, have the service automatically send the aggregate inventory data from multiple accounts and regions, which is also pretty cool, Ollie, because it saves you writing really complicated scripts. It just happens for you automatically. And by syncing uh, your software inventory to the Amazon S3 bucket, uh, you can possibly also run Amazon Athena over that and run some queries to gather greater insights into your inventory um, and better understand of what's actually being used and you can actually review your uh, stature against your uh, version compliance. Um, if you also want, you could also use Amazon QuickSites to visualize your inventories um, and do some drill downs into um, down to the lowest possible bit of data around what exactly is actually happening in your in, in environment. Now, having said that, uh, System Manager is available in all regions, so I hope you guys are actually using it. And uh, speaking of this, um, what's happening with Amazon Athena? So, yeah, Pete, I'm really excited about that, uh, the Amazon Athena service. And we actually also made it available now in the Asia-Pacific region in Singapore and also in Tokyo. And I'm actually a really big fan of Amazon Athena because it's really cool. It allows you to really decouple 
you know, kind of your storage and the way you run queries very effectively, which is very different from, you know, how traditionally we, we ran data analytics. You have like this big data warehouse and everything, your storage, your compute, everything sits together. We now have that amazing possibility to say, I store all of my data in an S3 bucket and I now use Athena in front of it so that I actually can run standard SQL queries on top of that data that I store in my Amazon S3 bucket without loading it in anywhere, without, you know, without managing any infrastructure, uh, without, you know, bringing up a cluster or any of that stuff. You just write your SQL query and now I can basically query anything from like, you know, CSV files to some file of flat file data to any kinds of even parquet files. And that's really powerful because again, you know, with that pay as you go model, you actually only pay for the queries that you run which makes it extremely easy to kind of understand what kind of cost we have about running your analytics, but it makes it also extremely cost effective of actually only paying for the analytics when you run them and only then when you run them, you pay for them. And so, yeah, we made uh, Athena available uh, in addition to the existing region, which was in Virginia, Ohio, and Oregon and Ireland. We also made it available now in Singapore and Tokyo with more regions coming. And I know you're a big fan of serverless and, you know, Athena in many respects is literally a serverless database, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you think about it, right, you just run your query. You don't need to think about the cluster database, anything. You run it on top of S3, that very, very serverless, so to speak. <laughs> no more Indeed. service to manage. Love it. <laughs> That's right. And the only thing you have to worry about is being able to find it, which is where DNS comes in. And um, oh, yeah. I'm super excited to uh, to also announce that uh, Route 3 now supports multi-value answers in response to DNS queries. So now this is not meant to be a substitute for um, load balancing because a lot of people can use and often do try to use uh, DNS for load balancing. But in this case, you have the ability now to return multiple health checkable IP addresses in our response to a DNS query. Um, that actually gets issued. So this actually improves reliability and also gives you some load balancing functionality in there. So if you want to route traffic um, approximately randomly to multiple resources, such as web servers, you can create one multi-value answer record for each resource and optionally associate an Amazon Route 53 health check with each of those particular records that you've set up in there. So for example, suppose you want to manage a, a web server with a, a HTTP service, like, a, like, a, like an API, for example, with a, a dozen web servers that each have their own IP addresses. Okay, so you're not using a Lambda here, you're doing it yourself. So um, no one web server could handle all of the traffic, of course, but if you create a dozen multi-value answer records, Route can happily respond to the DNS queries with up to eight healthy records in a response to each DNS query, which means we can actually hand out all the records back to the actual uh, resolvers uh, and point to the healthiest record. So this gives you uh, different answers to different DNS resolvers. And if a web server becomes unavailable after a resolver, obviously, um, caches a response, uh, the client next time it resolves can actually get another IP address that corresponds to a very healthy uh, EC2 instance. And the nice thing about this is, as always, you can create these uh, multi-value um, answer records programmatically using Route 53 APIs, the CLIs, the SDKs, or also do it via the console, which is also pretty cool. And you know, Pete, I actually like Route 53 really as a service because I always think DNS is such an important element about the web application, application journal that we design, right? And having that service that really allows you to have this highly available kind of setup, 
for your DNS resolution is so crucial. And I think it's really exciting that you now can send back multiple values and clients actually understand that and just go to the next IP address. Awesome. Now, I'm going to change gears a little bit because we are running out of time and we are forever running out of time in this show. Um, and we're going to attempt, I suspect, the very first ever, very first ever, this is on Tech Chat, uh, demonstration of a service. And I know we've done um, Polly in the past, but I actually thought given that we had so much focus at the start of the show on Amazon Connect, it might be worthwhile demoing that on the show. What do you think? Oh, I love that. Um, let's see how you do that. Come on, Pete. All right. So, so, so to set the context, I spent about 10 minutes spinning up a brand <laughs> new instance on Amazon Connect. And uh, I've got a, uh, a US number and an Australian number. And I'm going to hit call phone now. So I'm actually going to use Skype because I've got the uh, toll-free number uh, that I selected for my dial-in number in the US. So I'm going to use Skype. And Skype actually lets you call directly to toll-free numbers for free. So uh, no need to have credit. Here we go, guys. Let's see how it works. ringing hello thanks for calling dr pete's call center these are some examples of what the amazon connect virtual contact center can enable you to do press one to be put in queue for an agent two to securely enter content three to hear the results of an aws lambda data dip four to request a call back five to set a screen pop for the agent six to roll the dice and simulate a and b testing seven to adjust the priority of the contact queue, or eight to set call recording behavior. All right, let's try the uh, roller dice, number six. Amazon Connect will now simulate rolling dice by using the distribute randomly block, now rolling. D-roll to seven. Now transferring back to the main menu. Okay, so that was uh, calling out to a Press function. To be put in queue for an All the dice. Two to now let's go and speak content. to someone. Three to hear the results of an AWS Lambda data dip. Four to request a call back. Five to set a screen. Okay, we're going to call someone Thank now. Thank you for calling. Your call is very important to us and will be answered in the order it was received. All right. That's the hold music. Now I'm going to switch and become the call center operator. Hello. Hello. Here I am. This is Here now I am. the operator. This is now the operator. And you're going to get echo. And you're going to get echo. So if I was to put the, uh, so to person, put on the hold, uh, person on hold, this is what it sounds like. This is what it sounds like. And there you go. What do you think, Ollie? Awesome. And it really just took you 10 minutes to set this thing up. Literally. You're not lying here. Literally. I'm not lying at all. <laughs> I just went click, click, click next, and the whole thing spun up in minutes. So uh, as advertised on the uh, uh, on the website. Pretty amazing. Love it. So, guys, thanks for listening to AWS Tech Chat. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode, and uh, hope you've enjoyed this show. So, Ollie, we'll see you next, next time. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Pete, and everybody for listening in. Really exciting stuff. Signing off, this is Ollie and Dr. P. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, and tune in again to learn about AWS Cloud. Please subscribe to AWS Tech Chat by visiting www.awstechchat.com. <laughs>